Hey everybody, this is Rafe Telsch, and this is episode 37 of Have Not Seen This, a weekly in-depth look at a much-beloved movie selected specifically by our guest that they're a little surprised when they find out people have not seen. To the casual listener, it might appear that we're running a little late this week, but to the more dedicated listener, I offer this. I'm going to change the day that I'm releasing the podcast in an effort to regain a little more of my sanity and organization. So this episode is coming out on Thursday morning. That's going to be my new release date. It's just one day later than I was releasing episodes, but I feel like with so many plates being spun in my world right now, just changing the podcast by one day kind of makes a big difference. Hope everybody's doing all right out there this week. We are back with a regular episode this week, uh, but just because we're back doesn't mean that everything is back to normal. Just being reminded of that today as the shelter-in-place instructions in my state of Virginia have expired and been lifted. Uh, COVID is still a thing that's out there that we need to be aware of. Racial injustice is still something that we need to be aware of as the protests continue there. But I felt like this week felt a little better for putting out an episode. I do want to talk about the racial inequality, racial injustice, protests that are going on. As I said last week, if you're able to participate, I hope you're finding a way to do that. And my way... You know, on top of other things, one of the things I did was I turned my Friday inquiry towards that last week, asking for suggestions of films that tackle the subject of racial inequality and got quite a bit of responses on this. Sean Burns said, I just watched Just Mercy yesterday. Warner Brothers has made it free at this time. It is available on many platforms. I watched on Amazon Prime and also saw it on iTunes. Chris Eklund said, obviously do the right thing as shown, but his Malcolm X is really well done also. Denzel Washington is top of his game. Selma is another fantastic example, though a period piece it is strikingly relevant today. Thomas Mariani chimed in with, I Am Not Your Negro is a great documentary that marries clips of James Baldwin and his writing narrated by an understated Samuel L. Jackson over gross depictions of black culture and examples through history of white supremacy suppressing black figures. It's powerful stuff, currently on Amazon Prime. On the more cinema-driven side, Horror Noir is a thorough doc on black filmmakers in horror and how the genre has treated black characters over its history. Shudder currently has it free to stream, even if you're not a subscriber. Johanna said, In the Heat of the Night and The Rabbit Proof Fence... James Rodriguez said, Blind spotting is a powerful look at such hard hitting topics, which culminates in one of the most gripping raps ever captured on film. Luis Ramirez said, I'll nominate another Spike Lee joint, Get on the Bus. Not so much of drama, but because of discussion piece concerning various topics concerning African Americans told from different perspectives. Cat uh, Milner said, Lean on me. Chris Talent on Facebook said The Green Mile, or even I Am Not Your Negro by James Baldwin, but please read his books, they're insanely powerful. And over on Twitter, Chris also said American History X. Now, these are films I'm seeing pop up a lot on recommended viewing for the topic at hand right now, and it's sad to say I have not seen a lot of these movies, including some of the ones that you probably think I should have seen that would be like no-brainers. Um, I'm trying to work on some of those. The, the other thing that stands out to me about the responses that I got is this is a predominantly white list of movies. And, and when I say that, I mean that that's the people who commented are predominantly white. And it dawns on me that I need to find a way to diversify my audience and diversify my guests a little bit more and frankly probably diversify my own personal friends not that i have that many friends to begin with but it just is something that really stood out to me and i i really wanted to put a call out for someone to come on the show and talk about any of these movies because all of them would be fantastic conversations to be had but I also don't want to exploit the current situation. So if you know someone who would like to come on and talk about these films because it is relevant and because it's important, then please point them my direction. 
Uh, I'm not going to put out a general all call because, again, I don't want to be seen as trying to exploit the situation because that's not my goal. I, I kind of I, I, I'm, you know, as lost as many people in what's going on right now. One of the things that didn't get recommended here is a documentary on Netflix called The 13th, uh, which is about the 13th Amendment. And I remember watching that a couple of years ago. And having a, a very polarized response to it in that, on one hand, I thought it was quite brilliant, and on the other hand, I wondered how much bias was put behind it. And what I'm realizing in the time that's passed since I watched that, and especially with these more recent events, is my suspicion of a bias is because I'm coming at it from a white perspective. And I... I think it's valuable to get that other perspective with an open mind instead of assuming that there's an agenda. And that's a personal shortcoming that I need to be able to put aside. So that's something I'm working on. And that's that's part of how I'm trying to inform myself. I know a lot of other podcasts out there have been promoting resources or other social media feeds or that kind of stuff. And and I've been suspiciously quiet. And I know the phrase that's been going on right now is silence is violence. Uh, I'm not being quiet as much as I'm listening and I'm reading and I'm trying to make sure that I'm well-informed and that I'm in the right mindset. And I encourage you all to be doing the same thing. This is a very serious issue, and I don't want you to think because I'm back with a silly movie that I feel like it's done or I'm moving on or anything like that. That's not the case. Uh, and again, I'd be happy to talk about any of these movies with someone if they're interested in coming on. And if they're not interested in coming on, I'm just going to be catching up on some of these films anyway, because I think some of them are, are some of our more important movies and are frequently overlooked when we think about important movies. Before I get to the movie, the other thing I wanted to talk about is HBO Max has released in the time since I did a, a, a proper show introduction. A little disappointed with the service as a whole. I'm not going to go into that too much right here, but I did note that several movies that I've done on the past in the podcast are available as part of their collections. So you have Princess Mononoke there as some of their Studio Ghibli offerings. Uh, Harold and Maude, Hard Day's Night, more recent films are, are both on there as well. So if you listen to the show and you're interested in seeing some of these movies that we discuss, it might be a good resource for you. It's not something I would recommend running out and subscribing to the way I did with like Disney Plus, but it's there. And of course, if you want to look for escapism, not that I promote escapism, but sometimes with everything that's going on in the world, we need to just do that. Then, of course, obviously, HBO Max is going to have a lot of offerings there as well. And escapism, I guess, is kind of the, the facet that I'm using this week as I turn to this week's film, which is 2013's Sharknado. Because it's summertime, and summertime is supposed to be for big blockbuster, quite frequently silly films, and we aren't really getting those with movie theaters still closed and, and slowly starting to open. And hopefully we'll be able to go see films in the theaters again very soon. I know a lot of films that are slated for July releases are still kind of expecting those. So who knows? Maybe we'll get to do that. But Sharknado is kind of the pinnacle of silly blockbuster type movies. So it, it's a good one to kind of turn to for escapism. And even though it's not a very good movie, it's a lot of fun. And my guest this week is Sarah Newell from the Pup Life Rough Life podcast, which she will talk about here in just a few minutes because we started our conversation with that. And this was her pick. As always, I don't pick the movies. I just get the guests to pick theirs and we talk about what they picked. And this is kind of a silly conversation, uh, but it's sometimes that's what we need. So if you need a distraction from what's going on right here, here's an hour where we talk about a stupid movie about hurricanes and tornadoes with sharks in them. So here we go with 2013's Sharknado. I guess I'll start with your podcast is your is your dog's podcast, not your podcast. Yes. Okay. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. It's called Pup Life, Rough Life, and it's an audio diary for my dog, Beast. And then we've also been bringing on guests from rescues, um, basically giving 
a rescue dog that's up for adoption a couple minutes to share about themselves to hopefully draw in potential adopters. So obviously the dog doesn't talk itself. I mean, I, I, I'm assuming maybe it's a magic dog and it does, <laughs> but do, do you provide the, the voice for the dog? Do, do I you provide do a, the voice for the dog. Yeah. Do you do like a specific voice for him or is it just you musing on what he would be saying? He has his own voice. Um, okay. And then each of the dog rescue dogs that are up for adoption, I try and do a little bit specific for them too. Gotcha. See, that's that's a really interesting original idea. I've not heard of that kind of thing before. I'm like, you know, the millionth movie podcast out there to talk about movies, and you've got this wonderful original idea. So kudos to you for that. Thanks. So, uh, you know, it's a movie podcast. What kind of movies do you like? What's your interest er uh, area for movies? Um, I, in general, skew towards romantic comedies and superhero movies, both. Uh, but in this case, I happen to love, but don't have a lot, huge amount of experience with, uh, like, kind of cheesy disaster movies. Right. <laughs> so what kind of romantic comedies do you like? Because that's a genre we haven't touched on upon, uh, touched upon a lot in this, uh, in the show. Uh, Hitch is great. Okay. Um, Sweet Home Alabama is wonderful. And honestly, I pretty much will go for any of the funny, cute things on Hallmark, especially around Christmas time. I know exactly what's going to happen, but it's still just so sweet. Oh, I totally understand. Uh, I I'm, I'm not a huge fan of those kinds of movies, but I know that their target audience just eats that stuff up and, and they all know that they're so predictable and yet they, they love them. Yep. You know what you're getting into, but it's still just really good. <laughs> I love it. I, I, I love it. And you said superhero movies as well. Yeah. I don't tend to fall for the DC movies. Um, I've just had enough bad experiences on that front. Yeah, we've gotten burned a few times by DC, unfortunately. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, that was a, going to be my question was, were you more Marvel or more DC? So I guess, TV, I guess that answers. DC, I just think they do a better job in TV in general, but movies has to be Marvel. That's a really good point because the Arrowverse shows really are quite interesting. And the animated DC shows are almost all amazing, so... Now, are you talking like the older stuff, like Justice League Unlimited and Batman yeah. Beyond? And Okay, because I was going to say, I haven't gotten into any of the more recent stuff, but I, I loved Batman Beyond and the original Batman animated series and those kinds of things. Yep, Kevin Conroy is my Batman. Oh my God, isn't he though? I mean, he's fantastic. Right, he is the quintessential Batman and no one else will ever fill that role. Yeah. And of course, that means Mark Hamill is, you know, the quintessential Joker, yep. which I don't think anybody will argue with. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. When I was younger, I, I really wanted to see them do a big screen adaptation of Batman Beyond because I was a huge fan of that show. And the only actor I could think of that I thought would rival the performance that Kevin Conroy gives you know, give, doing the voice of the animated character was like Paul Newman, who was old enough at that time that he would have been a perfect old Bruce Wayne. That could have worked. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we're not here today to talk about uh, Batman or Marvel or those kinds of things. We're going to talk about Sharknado <laughs> from 2013, directed by Anthony C. Ferrante. Written by Thunder Levin, starring Ian Ziering, Tara Reid, John Hurd, Cassie Serbo, and Jason Simmons. Hurricane David is poised to be the first hurricane. It's a storm. It's what's driven them all up north. I've never seen so many of them. We're so bold. It's really even raining. It's flooding here. And not the plumbing, the ocean. You need to go home. I'm not going anywhere. Storm's coming and it's coming fast. <laughs> Can't sit back and watch this. Tornado's heading towards the airport. We need to destroy it before it gets to them. Watch out! Can't just wait here and wait shark to rain down on us. 
Can he throw bombs into the tornado? It's too dangerous. Too many of them. We're gonna need a bigger chopper. Claudia, ah! move! It's time to leave Kansas, mate. And just to head off the criticism or the complaints, yes, this was a made-for-TV movie, but it got such a cult following that they did a one-day theatrical release of the movie, so it was in theaters, so therefore qualifies for the show. So says not only me, but the brain trust of people that I asked before I said, okay, yeah, we can do this. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you describe this movie to someone who has not seen it? It's not a good movie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're convincing them right away with that opener. (laughs) It's not a good movie, but it's also absolutely amazing. Um, There's just enough science that you're like, wait a second, you got that right. And then they make everything else just make absolutely no sense. It's kind of one of those terrible, amazing movies. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that. I don't. I try not to pass judgment on the movies that are brought here. Uh, that's impossible. I mean, I'm going to like the movie or I'm going to dislike the movie. And when I when I dislike the movie, I really try to hide it. I'm going to say, this is not a good movie. But damn, I had fun watching it. Right? I mean, it's, it's not good, but it is objectively great to watch, at least for me. It's hilarious. I just laugh and enjoy the crazy roller coaster, basically. Yeah, I mean, I I take notes when I'm watching movies for the podcast, so I I have points to bring up uh, when we're talking in case, you know, the conversation needs a boost here or there's something I specifically want to remember. Um, we I just recorded an episode that was Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and I got about three quarters of a page of notes. I have two pages on this movie <laughs> because it's just that far out there. It is. There's... All these writing memes, like, oh, if somebody can bring that in, you can bring in whatever you want. But to me, like, pitching this movie was brilliant. I mean, people think it's kind of garbage and crazy, but that's kind of the brilliance of it. It's completely out there, but it's hilarious. Yeah. So you open by saying this is not a good movie. So when... when... I asked for movies for people to come on the show. This was your choice. Why was Sharknado your choice? Why is this the one you brought to to talk about here on the show? I love this movie. It's, it's so much fun. Like you just get to laugh and, you know, sometimes bad movies are great in their own way. Like this one is kind of a good stress relief. You get to see, people goofing like there are scenes that definitely weren't correct (laughs) but it's still like funny and you know seeing things be wrong and seeing it still have done great is kind of a morale boost sometimes and also like it's really just kind of crazy fun gotcha so what is your history with this movie when were you introduced to it you know how much do you watch it that kind of thing 2016 so i was pretty late to the bandwagon okay because this came out in 2013 so that was three years after it came out okay um i was i want to say working at a summer camp when the movie originally came out so you were pretty isolated and you didn't get to kind of catch up with culture so there were rumblings of it but nobody actually saw it and then years later it came back to my mind and I was like, I need to see that. So I sat down to watch it. I invited my husband who did not join me um, (laughs) and proceeds to laugh at me when I talk about this movie. He actually said, I can't believe you're going to do that. You're going to tell people, tell people you like that movie. It's so bad. Please don't embarrass yourself. And I was like, it is too late. We're going to do it. I'm going to say, I like the movie. I've actually only watched the first two because I still want to find somebody to watch the rest of them with me that would actually enjoy it. And uh, I can't find anyone, (laughs) (laughs) which might be a sign. So I knew about the first one coming out 
And it was one of those like, oh, I'll watch it when I get time. And then it just wasn't a big deal. And then I remember them announcing a sequel and the people who loved this first one being excited about it. I had no idea there are five sequels to this. There's a total of six movies in this series. Yep. And the last one involves time travel. I I really want to see them, but I just <laughs> part of me can't bring myself to watch them without somebody else to enjoy them with. And I when kind of the lockdown started, I invited my best friend to watch it with me at the same time and we like chatted while the movie was going on. Um so like you know, a month or two ago, and she did not enjoy it. I was like, are you sure I couldn't persuade you to watch the third one? And she was like, (laughs) no. (laughs) So unfortunately, I'm either going to have to watch the rest of them by myself or find the other fans that are just hiding in random corners of the internet. But I have not found anybody that actually enjoys them other than me. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I didn't expect great things from this. I knew it was going to be a cheesy, bad movie. I mean, that's that's kind of what it's intended to be. Yep. But when I finished it and I was looking at, you know, behind the scenes and that kind of stuff, and I discovered, I knew, again, I knew there was a sequel. I did not realize there were five sequels. I kind of wanted to go ahead and watch the next one. <laughs> it's set in New York. That's the that's the one I've seen. And you know what? I think it lived up. I really enjoyed the second one, too. My understanding is they lean a little heavier into the comedy after this first one. Yeah. That, that's kind of necessary. So, um, okay. So critical reviews are kind of a hard part to do for this. Uh, it does sit at 78% on Rotten Tomatoes. It doesn't show up at all on Metacritic. And oddly, the top critic picks, which is what I always look towards for quotes for the critical eye, they're all positive. Every one of them is a fresh review. But I wanted specifically to bring this one in by Mary McNamara of the Los Angeles Times, who wrote, oh, sure, it's easy to pick holes in a story about a weather system that makes it possible for sharks to fly and take to the streets. But that's the whole point of movies like this. Fabulous in-home commentary, often accompanied by the consumption of many alcoholic beverages. That sounds fair. I I think part of that is what you're wanting is to watch it with somebody else specifically so you can get that in-home commentary. Yep. Yeah. It's (laughs) just funny and it would be nice to share that funny with somebody else. Yeah. No. And the the consumption of many alcoholic beverages kind of keyed into that because while I was watching this, I, I started thinking maybe as we're discussing this today, we can kind of come up with a Sharknado drinking game because there are some elements that I want to bring up because they repeat so often in the movie. So maybe we'll, we'll create our own little Sharknado drinking game as we, as we talk about this, that uh, listeners can enjoy. Okay. <laughs> so I guess I, I, I don't like going through the movie beat by beat, but I, I do want to talk about a couple of things. I guess the best place to start was with is the characters. I thought the best place to start was going to be the beginning of the movie, but you have this weird little scene on a boat out in the middle of the ocean where literally in the first 30 seconds, they, they show you what a Sharknado is. Like they, they don't even wait. It's 30 seconds. You've got a funnel of water with sharks in it. Yep. And, and then you've got this scene with a boat that's pointless to the rest of the movie. (laughs) There are reasons to do scenes like that. You're trying to just set things up, but it's own little vignette. It's it's own little thing. Well, and to me, it it almost defines the movie because it has a a, a level of violence to it. That is kind of that made for TV movie violence. Like the scene ends with this captain getting ripped apart by the Sharknado, but it's done in such a way that is very clearly somewhat television safe. It's not tremendously gory while trying to give the illusion of being gory. Yeah, it was gory without actually being gory. It was, I was rewatching that earlier and yeah, like his face goes away, but was there a lot of blood while this was happening? They just kind of smeared it and darker and darker with like dirt and then all of a sudden he was dead. Right. <laughs> like they definitely hid the gore. Like you could tell it was supposed to be, but they didn't want it to be. Right. And I feel like that happens throughout the movie. I mean, there are times when they're happy to just let the blood flow. 
you know, uh, especially like when um, Baz, the the kind of the best friend character, he gets bitten by a shark, not once, but twice. Uh, and the blood just kind of flows from his leg when after the shark bite is done. But then you have moments like that where there is no blood or the blood is this horrible brand of CG. <laughs> yep. So then we're introduced to our, our main characters, and I, I guess I, I, that's a, a great place to start. So our main character, played by Ian Ziering, is Finn. And tell me what you know about Finn. So I think, so he's a surfer. Yes, we get several times that he's a world-class surfer. I think that's a take a shot right there, how many times they say that. Yeah, <laughs> he owns the bar. Right. And I think he was in the Coast Guard. Why do you think he was in the Coast Guard? Because at some point when they're in the car, after he's picked up his daughter and ex-wife, he says the Coast Guard motto, which is always be prepared. So right. I'm going with Coast Guard. Okay. I just, I found it really hilarious that they never give us much of a backstory on him other than, you know, being a world-class surfer. And we see him suit up to do this rappel at one point in the movie. There's a school bus and he's afraid that it's filled with people and he's going to rappel down off of the bridge and save them. And when we see him suiting up and putting on the gear and putting a knife in his holster and that kind of stuff, it's almost this Rambo-esque getting ready for battle scene. And I just looked and was like, did I miss something? Who is this guy? <laughs> that that scene is why I think the Coast Guard thing makes sense, because it does seem like he's some sort of ex-military that he would have all of this stuff in his car. I mean, yes, be prepared. But I think there's a line to be prepared that was somewhere before all of that being in your car. Right. Yeah. He just happens to have this rope and repelling gears and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's it's a little, well, it's very ridiculous, but it fits the movie. I, I mean, as I said, I had a lot of fun watching this as much as I picked it apart in my notes. It's like this, this, that was a, that's a fun scene. It's great. And in that scene, there was only one thing I didn't like. The rope was fraying. Oh, was it? Yeah. So they're pulling him up after they get the teacher up and you're like, oh, that teacher's going to die. The teacher gets up and I'm like, that's a little disappointing. Not that, you know, you want somebody to die, but you wanted someone to die. <laughs> <laughs> they set it up where you were sure he was going to die. And then Finn's coming up and the rope is like half gone at one point. And you're like, oh, it's going to break and he's going to have to hang there. And that totally didn't happen. And I was like, oh, you set something up. No, instead you get sharks hanging from the rope as they attempt to bite him for some completely unshark-like reason. And jumping that far out of the water to do it. And then the shark, I don't know, grabs the rope. But next thing you know, the rope is like tied around the shark as the shark is falling. Yes. None of that makes sense. Well, and what cracked me up in that scene, since we're already talking about it, is, you know, Boz is struggling to pull up the first girl. And you have a school bus full of kids. There has to be a dozen kids there. And, like, Boz is just struggling trying to get this this rope up. You can see him kind of have an issue, and then they get her to the top, and they're like, all right, the next one. And I'm like, man, he is not going to cut it. And then the next thing they show is all, all you know, dozen students at the top. Like, they've succeeded in doing this, and now they're going to lift up the, the heavy teacher. Yeah, and then no one else is helping him. Like, yeah. the whole time. I'm, they even tell the one... I think they tell the daughter to go help. And so she goes and stands by the bridge and just yells down. Like, none of you can pull a rope. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and, and you're right. It completely sets the teacher up. Uh, I, I even wrote that down. Like, you know, this is uh, the, the teacher's not going to make it. You know, it's, it's very clear he's not going to make it. And then he, and then he does. And you're like, what? That was a misdirection. And then, of course, he, he, he meets his fate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mom always told me Hollywood was going to kill me. <laughs> yep. But but Boz also, you know, I guess switching to him also gets some really terrible one-liners in here. I mean, really, really terrible one-liners. Right. In the beginning, when Nova is hitting on Finn, 
And then he's like, I, you work for me. You're my employee. We can't do this. And then uh, Boz is like, you don't work for me. <laughs> like, uh, okay, just leave her alone. Right. He sees the three tornadoes in the, in the distance and says, you know, time to leave Kansas, mate. Yep. Um, but the worst one, which I cannot believe made it to air, is after they go to Finn's wife's house and they d- defeat the shark there and the water is just filled with blood. Boz says it looks like it was someone's time of the month. Yep. Yep. I cannot like, believe really? that made it. <laughs> Why did you let that go? I mean, I was like, I, I don't know if I laughed or my jaw dropped when I heard that line. I was like, really? Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, really? Did you, did you have to? Yeah. So over the course of the, well, no, we got one more character we got to introduce from the beginning, which is Nova, who is a, a just a badass chick. Um, I mean, she is definitely designed to be showing off her body to some degree because she's in, you know, Daisy Duke shorts and a bikini top with a shirt over it. But she's also just a badass. She's the only one of them that knows how to wield a shotgun. Yep. And I like that she got the gun, too, where Baz got the baseball bat. She just went right for the gun right in the beginning. Oh, yeah. And, like, th- there's a moment where the the shark, uh, th- they have a shark on the roof of their car. And listeners, if you haven't seen this movie, I, they're, they're, this is how crazy it gets. I mean, it's like there's a shark on the roof of the car that tears the roof open because, again, that's what sharks can do. And... Finn is trying to hit it with Boz's baseball bat because Nova's driving. And it was like, she says, take the wheel. She's the only one who thinks to get the shotgun and shoot the shark off of the roof. Sometimes it seems like she's the only smart one in the whole movie. Well, and I love that because, again, physically, they're definitely presenting her as a babe. But I love exactly that, that it does seem like she's the smartest one in the batch a lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, Finn is supposed to be like the action hero, but... She does a lot of damage to those sharks. Yeah. And and I and of course she has uh, these iconic scars on her leg that anybody watching a movie called Sharknado is going to immediately recognize as trying to pass off as shark bites, but she doesn't want to talk about it. Yep, she says she cut herself shaving her legs. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, pretty sure I know what those scars look like. They don't look like that. Yeah, exactly. But that does lead to a moment. We'll we'll get to that scene a little later, but it does lead to a, a tender or an attempt at a tender moment a little later in the film. So the storm hits and then you have what is probably my, my biggest issue with this movie is the, the number of shots and this, if you if you turned this part into a drinking game, it would have to be like sip a beer rather than take a shot. But the number of times that there's a lack of continuity in between close up shots and distance shots, because like we're being told this storm is coming and Finn calls his ex-wife, April, played by Tara Reed, and we see these shots of rain on the window at Finn's bar. And April's like, oh, it's not raining here. And then suddenly it cuts to a series of shots outside the bar where it's nice and sunny on the pier. There's so much of that where you're like, wait, I know that you were shooting this in sunlight, but come on, every five seconds, I can't tell what the weather actually is. Like, you're trying to make this big, scary tornado. Are you constantly in the eye of the storm? I'm confused what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, it's just these out shots, outside shots of people and the land, and it's like it's supposed to be pouring down rain, but you're showing us where it's sunny and not. And it was that that continually happened. It's like later on when they're driving, and the water is shallow enough that they can drive in it, and during the long shots, it's barely wet on the ground, but it's also supposed to be deep enough that there are sharks swimming in the water alongside them. Uh, when they get to April's house, it's worse. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) What I think is funny is we don't know how long Nova has been working for Finn, but she is flirty with him. There's obviously a romantic interest there. But then she finds out that he has an ex-wife. Like, she didn't know this. And when they leave the now kind of ransacked bar to go to, to April's house to make sure everybody's okay, 
she tags along and we get to April's house. And part of the reason they're going there isn't because he's worried about April. It's because he's worried about his daughter, Claudia. And when Claudia's introduced, I was like, wait, how old is Claudia? Right. Like he has a he has a daughter, but she's like twenty. And she and Nova are practically the same age. And then later on when his son comes into the picture, the whole thing just gets like Okay, wait a second. What's everyone's ages here? Because you're all a little confused. Right, because Ian Ziering and Tara Reid don't look old enough to have, you know, kids the age of his daughter and son. And and I, you brought up the son, but that's like the next punchline is like, he has an ex-wife. Oh, he has a daughter. Oh, the daughter's like your same age. Oh, and he has a son, too. <laughs> yeah, it was like, wait, did you just forget about him? Why did he only come up so late? I know you thought he was somewhere else, but come on, dude. <laughs> But and and that I think is what annoyed me is later later on and this is the second time we've alluded to it so maybe we'll talk about it later on there's a scene where they're prepping and they're getting ready for the big final epic battle and there's this attempt to force some pathos into the film there they create these emotional moments and one of them is his daughter kind of being depressed and sullen because he cares more about his son than he cares about her. And his response is, I came for you first. Remember that. And as an audience member, I'm going, we didn't even know he had a son until he found you. (laughs) The son can't be more important. Like, he didn't even care. He wasn't thinking about his son. I mean, he does say he thought his son was out of town. But I don't know. I feel like unless you knew for, for sure, you would be calling to check on that kid if you actually cared about him. Or just to tell him, hey, we have to abandon the bar. I don't know, something. Well, yeah, and th- and this is supposed to be 2013, but yet none of them seem to have cell phones. Yeah, where are your cell phones? None of you <laughs> can call each other? I think maybe they, did they try it? No, they didn't even try, did they? No, April, that's the first thing when they stop at the, conven- at the gas station or convenience store or whatever it is, the first thing April says when she goes in is, can I use your phone? And he says, oh, it's been out for hours. But there was no attempt to use a cell phone of any type. Yeah. They don't even think about the poor boy. Yeah. <laughs> they just leave him up there and then run for him like, oh, we need to get to you, but we're not going to try and get in contact with you to warn you. We're just going to drive like crazy people. Which let's let's talk about that convenience store scene for just a second, <laughs> because I, I, I'm sure they were going for humor. Because they're watching the news and the news is talking about this, uh, this storm and these sharks being kind of an apocalyptic event. And the store clerk starts going on this tirade about conspiracies, about how it's the government that's behind this and it's all of this. And I'm sure they wrote it for comedic effect, but that was a little scary accurate given our current climate with the coronavirus going on. Yeah, because, of course, everything is a conspiracy, right? And so that's like you could actually hear that stuff in real life from people right now. And so it's, yeah, a little uncomfortable. A little on the nose. Yeah. Yeah, uncomfortable. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I mean, it. I, I, I laughed, but I didn't laugh for the reason that they wanted me to laugh. I laughed because it was like, wow, you guys nailed it. That's exactly what some people are going to be like in apocalyptic an event. Yeah. Our history, though short, is wrought with events that transform our existence. Locked away and hidden within sacred vaults exists a treasure trove of events, inventions, and stoic occurrences hoping to shine once more. These gems have many facets. Some shine like beacons of hope and others are dim with warnings of future transgressions. Sometimes history is easily accessible and this is the history that we know by teachings. But what of the history that we were never taught? Sometimes we must act as thieves to steal the locked treasures of history and find out what secrets lie beneath. Join us as we pick the locks, open the hidden artifacts, and bring these treasures back from whence they came. Only on Ransack History, presented by Sounded Heart. So so we've also alluded to this scene where they try to add in the uh, emotion as they're prepping for battle. 
uh, you, you want to talk about that a little bit? How did you take to that scene? Because you've got several moments going on in there. You've got, as I said, the the uh, e- emotional moment between father and son with her kind of mourning the fact that he always goes for Matt first. You've got the the scene between Matt and Nova where she finally comes clean about what happened to her uh, and that caused that scar, that kind of stuff. H- how did you react to that scene? It was weird and also cute because Matt and Nova had good chemistry. So it was like, oh, they're flirting. But it was also like, this is kind of weird. You were just flirting with his dad. I'm glad you said that because that's when we got to the ending of the movie and the two of them were together. I'm like, this is creepy. Like (laughs) the older ones who just moved down a generation. But at the same time, the... The ages thing that's been kind of indiscriminate throughout the movie comes into play of like something in this is a little off one way or the other. So it it was creepy, but also cute. And it was really hard to deny the cute sweetness. But at the same time, it's like, oh, something feels a little off. Yeah, I can't say that I felt the cute sweetness of it. I just felt off by it. (laughs) But it also, that whole scene to me felt very forced of like, oh, well, let's build some emotional rapport with these characters so that you're a little more invested in the final battle. And I'm like, it's sharks. It's sharks in a tornado. How emotionally invested do you think any of us are going to get? Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be a big action scene. We have been watching these characters the whole time. We're pretty much as emotionally invested as we're going to get. You don't need to add all this in. Well, and the one other moment that I loved in that scene, but not for the reason that they intended it, is you have this, I guess, what's supposed to be a bonding moment between Finn and April. And he gives her hedge trimmers and says, can you make that work? And she's like, yeah, I can make that work. And, you know, Tara reads exquisite acting. And I was like, there's no gas tank on those. Those are powered. Those need a power cord in order to work. And you're giving those to her to use against a shark. This is not going to work out well. (laughs) No one's thinking this through at all. But I mean, that was kind of the whole theme of that area where they were in was no one's thinking this through. You have a plan. I don't know how you know how to do the things you're doing, but... This is, you're cobbling things together that aren't going to work, but are somehow going to work because it's that kind of movie. Yeah, they're bombs that they use. So the the plan to talk about that is they're going to throw bombs into the tornadoes. They're going to fly a helicopter in the middle of wind and tornadoes, because that makes sense. And they're going to throw bombs into the tornado that they've made out of stuff that they can get at a Home Depot, Lowe's type place. Uh, and the idea being that the explosion inside the tornado will help equalize the pressure and thus dissipate the tornado. Yep. And then the bombs are made out of like a propane tank. It looked like a smoke detector and a flare. <laughs> yep. A road flare. It's like, um, no, that I don't know what you're doing. I mean, at, at least the friend had the the kindness to put a smiley face sticker on his bigger propane tank. Yeah, I'm like, how does Baz know how to do any of this? I mean, then again, I know people that could just throw that stuff together because they were kids and played in the woods growing up. And maybe Baz just spent a lot of time playing in the woods doing dangerous things. Um, but I, I grew up playing in the woods and I don't, what kind of people are you hanging out with? <laughs> Kids who spent too much time in the woods. <laughs> well, not only that, but what woods? That's a little disconcerting to me. Not anything like that, but they could pull something together. I'm sure. Farm yeah. kids are in, ingenious, but still. Again, I was I was a farm kid. I grew up on in the woods. I don't I don't know that I could do that. But yeah, I, mean, I don't it's... think anybody could do that with what they had. To be honest, I mean, none of that makes sense. But yeah, I mean, you do get one nice emotional kind of moment, and it's actually the very start of that scene when they first meet up with Matt and they're getting ready to go to the supply store and and make this run and and do things. And that is that you know matt says you know he's going to fly the helicopter we're going to find supplies and then he says that uh semper paratus which is kind of supposed to give this like father like son type 
idea that he's he's you know he remembers what his dad taught him and he's using that yeah it's like yay father son considering your dad forgot you but you're the favorite child so i I skipped over when we were talking about characters i skipped over april yep how do you feel about april (laughs) um i don't dislike her by the end in the beginning it's like oh come on lady but again finn's making crazy accusations he's like this is gonna be terrible and you're looking outside and you're like it's not gonna be terrible He's like, the sharks are going to be everywhere. How? How do you know this? <laughs> None of that makes any sense. But I was just waiting for Finn to say, I read the script. There's going to be a lot of sharks. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's his only explanation for some of it. But at the same time, like, so she's super annoying in the beginning, but she gets better. Yeah. I mean, the, the bus scene is kind of the perfect example of that. Uh, you know, they, they see the bus and Finn is like, there might be people on that bus. I'm going to rappel down and check on them. And April's like, this is just so like you. You're ignoring the people you have and love to check on somebody else. And I'm like, you're saying that like it's a bad thing that he's willing to put his own life on the line to check on other people and make sure that they're okay. He already just saved you like right he saved you you're okay he wants to go check on those people and you're trying to make it sound like that's a bad thing when all you do is come across as selfish he's not gonna let anything bad happen to them i mean he's proven that already not that he is fully in control but as in control as he can be he's not gonna let anything bad happen to them so give him a couple minutes to save people yeah she she grows on you a little bit by the end uh, maybe on you. <laughs> a, a little bit. By the end, she gets better. But at the beginning, you're just, oh, she's terrible. So do you think they earned the ending with her and Finn? I didn't when I first watched it. The second time, I liked it better. But yeah, when I first watched it, I was like, oh, come on. Like, she's been terrible. Why? Yeah. Why are you okay with this? Yeah, and I didn't feel like there was ever any chemistry between them. I mean, he shows up and the uh, her new boyfriend is a jerk, and thank God he gets eaten quickly. Like, I even wrote that in my notes. I was like, well, at least they took care of the annoying boyfriend really quick because he would have gotten really annoying long term. But, you know, she's harassing him when they're on the road. And then, and she doesn't believe in him. And there's, there's no chemistry between them other than him giving her the, you know, hedge trimmers that probably aren't going to do anything. (laughs) And then, oh, but we're supposed to be happy that they kiss at the end of the movie. Yeah. I'm like, I wanted him and Nova to be together. (laughs) I know it, it was very weird and uncomfortable, especially because you bring the sun into that whole picture at some point and you're like, okay, what, what's the right answer here? None of it. But yeah, on the second watch, I feel like the wife gets a little bit better. But on the first watch, it was just like, oh, please, lady. Yeah. So are you a, a Jaws fan? I haven't seen Jaws. You haven't seen Jaws? Interesting. No. Okay. So you do you are you aware of the, the references that are in here? I know of some of them. Okay. So like the first shark attack uh, when Boz throws the, uh, the tank... In the shark's mouth and then yells to shoot it. That's how they take care of Jaws in, in the movie Jaws. Yep. And then there is a scene in Jaws where they are comparing scars. I didn't know about that one. Yeah. That, that's, so that's, you kind of get that with the, the math, the Matt and, and Nova scene where they're comparing scars. Because that's how he gets her to talk about her scar as he shows her his where he got a really nasty scar from falling down a s- slide. Yeah. Yeah, so there's there's a couple of Jaws references in there, which I which I think are nice. I can't imagine they carry those into the sequels, but uh, yeah. So, what is your favorite moment of this? Because there's so many just absolutely absurd moments in the film. What stands out to you as Probably a favorite? The moment when they uh, talk about the fact about using bombs to defuse the tornadoes, because there's just enough science there. That you're like, yay, science, and then you're like, no. No, I mean, yes. That's not how it works. I I mean, there actually have been proposals to use bombs to stop hurricanes. Um, But still, yeah, it's that moment of like, 
Yay, science! No, no, no science. Stop the science. Don't do this anymore. You're Just stop. <laughs> All right. On the flip side, what is a moment here that just crosses the line that's just too absurd for even for you? The end. The very the end. end when he's like, saves Nova and she was swallowed whole and he somehow didn't chop her in half. The whole whole thing's just like, okay, this is great. But also what just happened? Yes. She, she's swallowed whole. He miraculously is swallowed whole by the same shark (laughs) out of all of the sharks that are there that he jumps into headfirst with the chainsaw and somehow doesn't cut Nova with it. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, uh, y'all, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. No, for me, it was the, um, it was the car that, you know, they, they survived the shark attacking and ripping open the roof, which again, cause that's what a shark would do. And then suddenly the, they're like, I smell gasoline. Let's run away. And they all bail on the car. Nova, thankfully, thanks to grab the shotgun. They run away from the car and then it explodes. There's nothing that to ignite it. There's no reason for it to explode. It's just a spontaneous combustion of a car. I guess they just wanted a, a car explosion in there. Yeah, no. Gasoline does not light itself on fire. <laughs> like, doesn't make any sense. But somehow, you know, magic and more exciting. <laughs> you gotta make things exciting, you know, in these crazy movies. Well, I can understand them wanting to somehow get rid of the car so they can upgrade to the the Hummer that they get. Which, again, is kind of a leap in logic is next to the gas station is a movie cars for sale or rent like that's even going to be open at the time that this hurricane slash tornadoes are coming through. And yet they still have this, this Hummer, which apparently didn't work very well on set. Yeah. That's what I was reading. Like did not function. It was missing. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, it does allow them to upgrade the vehicle and then it allows Boz to uh, pimp it out later on with the spikes and, you know, put the bombs in and that kind of stuff. Yeah throw all that stuff together from the hardware store, magically figure out how to upgrade your car with all that, and then save the day with the fancy car that you happen to find in the most improbable place ever. <laughs> right. <laughs> it It's not logical, but, you know, it's it's fun. It's fun. That's the point of the movie. It doesn't have to be logical. No, no. Let me look through my notes and see if there's anything else I wanted to mention. Any Anything you wanted to hit on that I haven't brought up yet. When they kill the husband or the boyfriend, and the boyfriend yes. died, the water is so red. I'm like, uh, how many bodies are in that water? <laughs> Excuse me? There's got to be like multiple bodies in that water if you manage to put make it that red that fast. Like, that's not going to work. Well, and that shot of the shark is particularly bad um, because it it illustrates the bad CG in the movie that's made worse by the shot, the gunshots hitting the shark. Like it's it's already bad CG with the shark and then the gunshots hitting the shark just make it even worse. It was so bad in that one shot. Yeah, the whole house scene was terrible in so many ways because the inside of it is flooded. Like right. significantly flooded, and then they step outside and there's no water. <laughs> like, right. wait a second, how did this happen? I'm so confused on what you were trying to do there because you didn't do it. Whatever it was, you didn't do it. Right, and then it collapses as they drive away, pretty much just to certify that Finn is right about everything that happens in this movie. Like, yeah. you know, he's going to make a prediction; it's going to happen. Even though, you know, logically. Everything he says stems from magical powers of, hey, I just said something's going to happen, even though there's no reason to actually think that it will. Right. Well, and that scene also frustrated me with the boyfriend because they get to her house and she doesn't want to let them in. And then you see one of the sharks come like busting out of a manhole, you know, on a torrent of water and she lets them in. And then the boyfriend is like, oh, what are you talking about? There's no sharks out there. That's crazy. And it's like, dude, your girlfriend just saw this happen. At what point is she going to stand up and say something? Yeah, She never does. She never says a word. She just is like, I'm going to keep quiet and let the two men have an argument here. 
which doesn't make any sense in the whole thing. No. I mean, it's just part of the reason I asked you what you knew about Finn is because they really don't ever give him a character. Like, we we see that he knows stuff, but we don't know why. And it would have been nice, rather than one of those forced emotional moments, it might have been nice to have just gotten a little backstory on how he's managed to survive. Like, what does he know that we as the audience don't know? Yeah, because all of his predictions feel and look like they're out of left field. Like, okay, there's this big storm coming. The bar is going to be gone. Okay, I'm pretty sure that area has survived plenty of big storms before. So why is this storm going to be the storm that's going to destroy the bar? Also, the bar right. is the only thing on that pier that really gets destroyed other than the Ferris wheel. So I right. don't know what happened there. But like, why is he so sure this storm? And then he's like, oh, man, they're going to get all the way up the hill. Why? How do you know that? How do you know the sharks are going to end up everywhere? Like, you haven't seen enough to predict that yet, dude. <laughs> well, and we we missed one character that I do want to make sure we mention before we finish our conversation, and that is we didn't talk about George. Poor George. Poor George. So George is an old man at the bar who, uh, a little bit of womanizing towards Nova, which, you know, he regrets, I think, pretty quickly. Uh, and, and then... Like, he's just there at the bar drinking, and then suddenly when crisis hits and it's time to leave, he's passed out drunk. Yeah, he was drunk, but awake. And then there's got to be some gap of time. Right. Because, I don't know, did Baz go to the hospital? That one bothered me. I was like, wait. I don't think so. by a shark, and they just patched him up on the beach and let him go? Oh, it's even better than this. When when we didn't even talk about that, the you know the attack that Baz gets bit in the water, and they come out, and and Finn is dragging him along, and the camera sh cuts to a shot of a guy who is just torn up, mauled on the beach, screaming. Cut to Finn bringing Baz to the ground, and a medic running over towards them, and it's like the medic is there instantaneously for the main character. Meanwhile, there's that dude over there who's dying, <laughs> who is not getting any help right now. Right. <laughs> no one cares about him, the poor man. Like everybody runs over to Finn and Baz, and you're like, "Why? Why?" I mean, he's hurt, yes, but that guy is clearly a lot worse. Did you not learn how to triage anything? <laughs> it's it's because Finn and Baz are good looking. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, it has to be. It's the only explanation. Yeah. I mean, that's that's true. So I, f I forgot to ask you uh, before at the very beginning of the show. It's a new question that I keep forgetting to throw in. Uh, what are your have not seen this movies? What are movies that you have not seen that people give you a hard time over? Everything. <laughs> Everything. There's a running list at work. Oh, really? Yeah, they, like a physical list or just a joke? No, a physical list that they started writing out because they're like, what do you mean you haven't seen that? What do you mean you haven't seen that? And uh, yeah, there is a physical list that I just ignore, to be honest. <laughs> I was going to ask if you could tell me some movies on it, but no, if you ignore it, that's um, well, that's fine. I think Office Space is on it. Oh, do you work in an office? Yeah. You, you should fix that one because that is like the best way to survive working in an office is knowing that movie. That's what they keep saying. <laughs> and so far I have not, not moved that off the list. Gotcha. Okay. Well, the, the reason I ask is because we're going to move into kind of the, the closing credits here. And the first bit is the algorithm says, and this is a lightning round, your reactions to movies that algorithms say you'll like because you liked Sharknado, but I can almost promise you, you do not know any movie on this list. Probably. So I think more, this is an opportunity for us to just laugh at some of the titles that were brought up by the various algorithms, having removed the other five Sharknado movies from algorithm suggestions so these are other movies not sharknado movies that were recommended you just give whatever reaction you want because I, I would almost wager you haven't seen any of these so first up zombie tidal wave no but that sounds great <laughs> <laughs> i think that goes on the on the list that i keep well i ignore the list of things that they tell me to watch this goes on the list that i keep in my head for things i'll actually go find and watch well, then this may be a very good list for you. <laughs> Two-headed shark attack. Okay, that one sounds weird. Okay. Uh, Mega shark versus crocosaurus. I've heard of that one. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I have heard of that one. Okay. Shocktopus. 
I think I've heard of that one too, because my friend makes little plushy animals of that. Of <laughs> a sharktopus? <laughs> okay. Zombies. No, but that sounds fun too. I have no idea what it's about, but it sounds fun. It's like a zombie movie, but it's set at the zoo and the animals are zombies, as best I can tell. <laughs> okay, that sounds interesting. All right. Mega Shark versus Mecha Shark. No, that doesn't sound worth it. That doesn't. <laughs> That's where you draw the line is when you have a robotic shark in there. Oh, it's a robotic <laughs> shark? Maybe. Well, Mecha Shark would be a robotic shark, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Ice Sharks. Nah. Nah, okay. Lava Lantula. I heard about that. I actually looked it up. I, It's streaming free right now. So, A lot of these are, by the way. <laughs> so I saw that and I definitely started to watch it and I was like, I have other things to do. But it's, I, I watched the beginning of it, like the first minute, and I'm coming back to it. My understanding is Steve Gutenberg from the Police Academy movies is in it because he passed up on Sharknado and it ended up being a huge hit. Yeah, that's that's how I found it was he passed up on Sharknado and it ended up being a big hit. So he went and did that one, which did not <laughs> make it. <laughs> All right. Two more. Uh, 47 meters down. No. Nope. Okay. My husband scuba dives and we both talk about how that movie is just so wildly inaccurate. So I, I won't watch it. <laughs> okay. And lastly, Poseidon Rex. Okay. That sounds interesting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We always end with a pop quiz, four questions, multiple choice questions related to the movie. Uh, and I know, you know, at least one of these. So uh, we'll see how you do. All right. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Number one, writer Thunder Levin said the idea for Sharknado came to him. How? Wasn't it a from his kid? Yep. From a dinner conversation with his son. That's right. That's where the idea came from. <laughs> All right. Number two, franchise star Ian Ziering had reservations about the film script, but decided to do the movie anyway. Why? Because his wife was pregnant and they needed the he needed the money or hours to stay in the Screen Actors Guild to get health insurance. Yep, absolutely. He needed the the, job, the work to keep his insurance for his pregnant wife and future child. Uh, I, now, I, I haven't read as to why he agreed to do five more of them, but, you <laughs> I know, I guess <laughs> once it's successful, it's successful. Uh, number three, the name of the band that performs several songs, including the title theme during the end credits, holds a shark connection. What is the name of the band? A, dorsal fin, B, jaws, C, quint, or D, shark attack? Isn't it quint? It is quint, yeah, named after a character from the movie Jaws. And then number four, while not fully explained, Finn's motto, Semper Paratus, gives a little background for the character as the phrase is actually the motto of what organization? And you already said this earlier. The Coast Guard. Yep, absolutely. All right. See, great job on the pop quiz. I studied. <laughs> I'm not going to. There you go. I studied that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Where can people find you? What do you want to promote? Uh, Pup Life, Rough Life. It's my dog's podcast. Um, we have an audio diary for my dog. And also we promote dogs that are available for adoption at rescues. Fantastic. See, that sounds like I'm going to have to check that one out because I, it sounds like a great cause and it sounds like a lot of fun. My little dog is very sassy and has an absolutely terrible life absolutely terrible obviously oh yeah so i'm sure M mine is sitting about four feet away from me under the covers in the bed looking at me like why aren't you paying me attention right now yeah that would be mine if they were allowed this far back because i was on this so i said no you have to stay over there um so they're outside the door pouting <laughs> All right, Sarah, thank you so much for introducing me to Sharknado. I will let you know what I end up thinking of the other ones, because I guarantee you I will end up watching them. <laughs> Sounds good. So that does it for this week, but you can keep the conversation going throughout the week on social media. Share your thoughts about Sharknado, or maybe tell me a movie you'd like to come on the show and talk about. You can find me at Talon Hess on Twitter, or the show at Have Not Seen This on Twitter, on Facebook, where at Have Not Seen This podcast, or email me at HaveNotSeenThis at gmail.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, including next week, which reminds us that nothing is simple when blood's involved.
This podcast is available through all major podcast sources. Positive ratings and reviews are always welcome, as is just sharing the podcast with a friend and spreading the love. And if you like World of Warcraft or other Blizzard Entertainment games, be sure to check out my other podcast, Citizens of Azeroth, a World of Warcraft podcast, also available through all major podcast sources. Special thanks to Chris Talent for our wonderful theme song, and thanks to Sarah Newell for providing this week's conversation. Until next week, I'm Rafe Telsch, and this has been Have Not Seen This. Be kind to each other. <laughs>